G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. If good people go to heaven, how good is good enough? Hi and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Today, Pastor Jeff will tackle the question of heaven. Who gets there? It's a simple question, but the answer is more complicated. Not everyone is heaven bound. So can we earn a place? Will God save everyone? Good people go to heaven. Now say that with me, whether you agree with it or not. Just humour me. Good people go to heaven. And so Jesus spends 75% of his ministry debunking that idea. It's deeply flawed. This is Today with Jeff Vines. You know, I really like 80s music. I always have. My wife tells me again that I'm stuck in the 80s. My response to that is, you know what? Once you find something good, you hold on to it. I do the same with you. And she usually likes that response. That's usually a good response. It takes me back just a little bit to the time that I got my first car. I was 17 years old and I aggressively went to my father. And I told my father, now that I was 17, I believed it was time that I have my first car. My dad said, okay, you meet me here tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. and we'll go get your first car. I thought, wow, life's a lot easier than I thought it was. All you got to do is ask. You know, then I was sad that I'd waited so long. So uh, I also thought it was really cool of my father to be willing to get up so early before he went to work so that I could have what I needed. Uh, That's a good dad right there. So I met him. He said, dress nicely. I did. So I met him at 5 a.m. the next morning and my father promptly took me down to the local supermarket and introduced me to the produce manager. (laughs) And I learned that uh, the prerequisite to your first car is your first job. And I got my first job and a little bank book and I got my car over time. And the interesting thing about that is that it was a cool car. Now, really, it was this old Starfire GT. Those of you who are around my age will know what yellow car Black trim all over the place. Beautiful piece of machinery there. Now, it did have a few issues. It rode kind of sideways because it had been wrecked before, which is why I got it for such a good deal. It also leaked antifreeze in the passenger side. And uh, that made it difficult going on dates. And it had an eight-track tape player, which I especially liked back then. But I remember riding in that car listening to this song by Bruce Hornsby in the range. Because in my little hometown... uh, Main Street, uh, we only had one street, uh, Main Street, and so we would cruise every Friday night. We would kind of go down Main Street, then we'd pull in and out of McDonald's, uh, and then you go up a little bit and in and out of Hardee's and back around. You just do that for for no purpose whatsoever other than to cruise. And this song, That's Just the Way It Is, kind of defined my generation. It really did because that's how we thought. You know, we put the arm out the window, one hand on the wheel. Anybody ask us anything? That's just the way it is. And that's really not our fault because our parents raised us that way. 
Because when we ask our parents why we couldn't go out on Friday night and stay out till 3 a.m., that's what they told us. That's just the way it is. <laughs> My generation did not have the inquisitive mind that you young generation have. And I, I adore you for that, let me, let me tell you. But we didn't. We didn't have that. We, our parents told us that's just the way it is. That's the way we lived our lives. And we're, there's a certain coolness that went with that. Ask me anything. No matter how hard the question is, I'll tell you. That's just the way it is. You know, say something bad about me. That's just the way it is. That defined my generation. I got a little older though. And as I got a little older, I started paying more attention to the words of songs. And it dawned on me, I don't know, maybe I was 22, 23, that Bruce Hornsby wrote this song because he was so frustrated with racism in America. And he said, I just can't get over how a country that was built on the foundation that all men and women are created by God equal could have such an illogical, preposterous, nonsensical view of life. To where we would say, hey, little boy, you can't go where the others go because you don't look like they do. Or, hey, old man, how can you stand to think that way? Did you ever think about it before you made the rules? So Bruce Hornsby saying through arts and through the media, this is illogical. It's preposterous. It's foundationless. It won't work. What happens when you're on the other side of racism? It's deeply flawed. When Jesus came to this earth, he was also facing a deeply flawed system that has been gathering momentum ever since he entered the earth and is just as strong and prevalent now, unfortunately, even among Christians. Because he came into the earth at a time when the predominant question of humanity was this. How do I get to heaven? How can I get to heaven? And they had concluded that here's how you get to heaven. Good people go to heaven. Now say that with me, whether you agree with it or not. Just humor me. Good people go to heaven. And so Jesus spends 75% of his ministry debunking that idea. That it's full of holes, it's illogical, it won't hold water, it's preposterous, it's deeply flawed. When I was in New Zealand, all, all of the debates that I had on the radio, television, wherever we were, it never ceased to amaze me that the people that I met who believed in the good people go to heaven scenario also believed in something else, the common denominator. You know what it was? That every person that I met that believed that good people go to heaven also held the view that all religions take you to heaven. So whether you're Presbyterian, Methodist, Anglican, or all these denominations within the Christian faith, or Hindu, or Muslim, or Buddhist, whatever, that they all are different paths to the same place. It doesn't matter who you pray to, if you go to church or not, if you take some spiritual pilgrimage or not, whatever you pray to, whoever is your God, whatever your religious philosophy, all of that doesn't matter because in the end of time, God is just kind of like these Midwestern diviners who take this rod and try to find water in the earth. God also has a diviner rod, only it's looking for good people. And what he's going to do at the end of time, he's just going to gather no matter what faith, religion, what, what you believe, what your theology, it doesn't matter that all God's going to do is take this rod that he has over all time and find all the good people because in reality, good people go to heaven. If I were a gambling man, and I'm not, I, I would say that if I take all of you and I said, are you going to heaven? And you said yes, and then I ask you why. I'll bet you there would be quite 
a high percentage of people that would say things like this to me. I go to church every Sunday. I, I give. You know, I helped that beggar uh, four months ago. I sent in some, some uh, money for the little children on World Vision. I mean, you know, I pray. I read my Bible. You know, I'm good. I'm basically a good person. And your philosophy is that good people go to heaven. As a matter of fact, somewhere along the line, you'll say to me, now I'm not perfect. And I want to say to you, that's a shocker. I'm, I'm glad we cleared that up right away. I'm not perfect, but you know, good people go to heaven. You know, I, I'm, I'm basically good. You know, I, I don't, I haven't killed anybody. What I also notice is people who believe in the good people go to heaven scenario. They like it because in their minds, they're good. That there is a heaven. Good people are going. I've never met anybody that said to me, there is a heaven. Good people are going, but I'm not one of them. There are also some merits to this system I want you to consider for a moment. Merit number one is this. In our minds, it's fair. It should be that way. Because that's the kind of world we grow up in, right? If you're good in your family, it starts right there. If you do what your dad asks you to do, good things happen. If you don't, bad things happen. We like the fact that good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. That's the way we want it to be in our family, in society, at school, wherever. As a matter of fact, I'm convinced that's why so many men like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Because somebody does something really bad at the beginning of the movie, and then Arnold spends the next three hours pummeling them. And we, we like that. That's good, because bad men ought to have bad things happen to them. There's a second thing. We believe, those who believe, that good people go to heaven, and that's the way it works, also believe that they've made the cut. It gives you the right and privilege to make the cut line. How good is good enough? So... If you're having a bad run of bad in your life, you can always send $60 into World Vision and help a little child, or you can help that beggar that you've passed by four months in a row now and kind of tip the scales over in your favor so that you're good again. You control it. You make the cut. Third, it also motivates us to do the good thing. If we're faced with a dilemma and we got heaven in the back of our mind, good people go to heaven, you might be convinced to do the good thing. Or let's say your whole life, you're just on a bad run. You get to the very end of your life and you think, man, I got to really do a lot of good. You can kind of just do a lot of good in the last three or four years of your life and even the scales. Maybe leave a lot of money to Christ Church of the Valley or something like that. <laughs> just kidding. But people actually do leave large endowments to organizations as a way that I've done a lot of good at the end of my life, just in case there's a loophole. The fourth thing is, it's consistent with the idea of a good God. Good God, good people, good heaven, and that's just the way it ought to be. It makes sense. The good people go to heaven system seems logical. It's easy to buy into, and it seems to be common sense. There's only one big problem with it. Jesus detested it. He said, it's deeply flawed. It's illogical. It's impractical. It'll never hold water. It'll never work. And the first reason is this. Because there is no clear direction concerning how good is good enough. This is Today with Jeff Vines. The message is called Heaven, Who Gets There? Are we good enough to get in? Here's Pastor Jeff with more. If good people go to heaven, how good is good enough? Now, I read this when I was younger. I've used it many times. As a matter of fact, I've used it in conversations with people, evangelistic conversations, but I first read it let's give credit where credit is due, to Bill Hybels, who was a pastor up in Chicago. He was seated on a plane next to a gentleman who believed the philosophy that good people go to heaven. So Bill took out a serviette or a napkin and he wrote 100% up here, representing 100% good, 
and 0% down here representing 0% good or fully and completely bad. And in the middle, he wrote a mark, 50%. And he said to the gentleman, he said, since you believe in the good people go to heaven scenario, would you mind if you just placed your name on this scale from bad to good where you think you fit right now? I'm going to call him Jeff, okay? So I don't offend anybody, unless of course your name is Jeff. (laughs) At which point you're righteous anyway. And so uh, just above the 50% mark, he wrote his name right here, just above 50. Bill Heibel said, you know what's interesting? Do you know Billy Graham? Uh, Yes, yes I do. And Mr. Heibel said, well, I happen to be a friend of Billy Graham's. I've done some preaching alongside him. I know him well. I asked him the same question I just asked you, Jeff, and it's interesting. He wrote his name around 40%. So Billy G. Now, Jeff, uh, would you like to change where you put your name on this scale? <laughs> Immediately, he raced it and put it. Guess where he put it now? Guess where? Right underneath Billy Graham. <laughs> so Bill Hobble said, you know, that's interesting. I also, uh, I, I am a, a good friend of Mother Teresa. And Mother and Teresa and I have spent some time together, and I asked her this same question. And uh, she put her name about at 23%, right in this area, okay? So Mother T. Uh, Now, Jeff, knowing that, is there some place you would like uh, to put your name? Would you like to change? Immediately, he grabs the serviette, raises his name. Now, guess where he puts his name? Just underneath Mother Teresa, all right? So Bill Hobbles looked at him and said, you know, it's interesting here. Based on what you've just told me, that good people go to heaven and you're way down here, well, it seems to me you're in big trouble because you're not very good. It, isn't it interesting? 99.9% of the people I meet will put their names just above the 50% mark because in their mind they believe what? As long as I have more good than bad, I'll make it. But that's not in the Bible anywhere. It's man-made. As a matter of fact, I had one discussion with a lady And she told me this, well, forget the graph. I don't believe in that stuff. I just believe in a good book. You just do what's in the good book and you'll get there. To which my response is, are you delusional? Because if this is your standard, they ain't none of you going to make it. Not one single person. It's too high. It's hard. When I was in college, now not many of you know this, let me tell you this story, okay? At first you're going to think, this is an arrogant punk. But if you'll just listen, the humility comes in on the other side, all right? (laughs) I was in college, I played college basketball. I was actually an All-American. But here's the deal, that's the good news. Two years All-American. The bad news is it was a very small college that played other small colleges. And so... You can forgive me for getting this idea in my mind that I was pretty good. I got a letter between my junior and senior year in college. I was feeling on top of the world at this point. And I got an invitation to go to Tennessee Tech University and try out for what was then known as the Continental Basketball Association. It was an association of teams all across America where you, if you were drafted into them, if you were good enough, you could play two years and then the NBA scouts may see you pick you up and you could make a team. Now, very few people ever did make it to the NBA out of the Continental Basketball Association. But I walked into Tennessee Tech University, and I'm thinking, I'm an All-American. I'm going to do well. It took me all of about 10 minutes to realize I was not in Kansas anymore. (laughs) It it was mesmerizing. You talk about a rude awakening. I mean, these guys were huge. I mean, you think I'm big? No, 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 no. You don't understand. These guys were big. And what made it worse is they were fast. 
Now, I had played against big guys, but when you face a seven-footer, when you're in the college I played for, they were slow. So you got them to come out. If, otherwise, they wouldn't be playing in a small college. So you would draw them out, and then you just go around them. Hey, I'm going to have a field day today. But these guys were big, and the, the game was played above the rim. It never came down to my territory. <laughs> it took me about 15 minutes to realize I can't guard anybody in this gym. Here's the problem with the Bible. Jesus tells you, it's not only your actions that judge you, it's your very emotions and feelings. He looked at a group in Matthew chapter five and he says, you people think you're righteous just because you don't murder anybody. And he said, let me tell you something right now. The same emotions of hatred and anger and bitterness that lead a murderer to commit the act are all resident in your heart. And you're just as guilty as the guy who murders because of the way you feel about your brother. Folks, if this is the standard, you're in big, big trouble. You're not going to make it because you're not that good. You're just not that good. In fact, you know what the Bible says? Here's what it says. Romans chapter three, verse 23. I'm going to read these five verses and interpret. All right. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Thank you for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. We're asking who gets to heaven. We'll continue this tough and exciting topic next time on the show. If this is the standard, you're in big, big trouble. You're not going to make it because you're not that good. You're just not that good. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.